Welcome to the Positivity Podcast, where we explore the skills and strategies of personal development with cutting-edge researchers, authors, entrepreneurs, and experts. Professor Gabrielle Otegen tears through traditional notions of motivation and success. Her 20 years of research focus on the perils of positive thinking and the science of how focusing on obstacles has been proven to help people achieve their goals. Gabrielle is an author of more than 100 articles and book chapters on thinking about the future and the control of cognition, emotion, and behavior. She's now a professor of psychology at New York University and the University of Hamburg in Germany. In this episode, we cover why her WOOP framework, that's W-O-O-P, can be used for engineering goal setting, motivation, clarity, follow through, a lot of stuff. And it's pretty incredible, all the science behind why it has that effect. Also, why dreaming makes you less motivated, why dreamers are prone to depression, and identifying the correct obstacles in the way of your success. You can check out Gabrielle's book, Rethinking Positive Thinking, as well as her website, mywooplife.org. That's M-Y-W-O-O-P-L-I-F-E dot O-R-G. Let's get to the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Positivity Podcast. And, you know, I think this episode might give me a run for, for my money, given that the, uh, the book of our guest is called Rethinking Positive Thinking. So I will be holding on to my chair for the entire, uh, entire episode. I'm, I'm getting ready. Um, but in all seriousness, you know, I think I, I was kind of skeptical because I was like, okay, yeah, I kind of feel like I've heard all the arguments about positive thinking, thinking this way, thinking this way. But after exploring some of Gabrielle's work, it really, it really, it really happened. It really happened. And I'm so excited to share her perspectives with you. And so I'd like to welcome to the show. And we, we were, I was practicing my German accent with her before we came on. So let's see, tell me, tell me my score out of 10. So Gabrielle Otigen. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey through your career and how you ended up studying this. Were you always interested in studying motivation? I think it's uh, also worth noting and interesting that you teach in both Germany and New York City. And so it seems like there's a lot of interesting stories behind <laughs> your career and, and your origins of this concept. Um, how should I start? I was always interested. Well, I, my, my, my first job was being a photographer. My second one was being a biologist. Um, and then I slipped into psychology and I slipped into psychology because I was always interested in behavior and behavior change. And um, already when I did biology, I, I, I did behavioral biology. So basically behavior was interesting um, to me always. And particularly I was interested in resilience and in the role of hope for increasing resilience. 
and that's where we started off that podcast. Um, so what is the role of hope for making people resilient? And that's when I came across positive thinking. And we started to do studies and experiments on positive thinking. And we found, uh-oh, positive thinking has this problematic consequences. So that people with these positive thoughts and images actually invest less effort and, um, and have less success. And then we just needed to go on because we wanted to know why is that? And we understood, okay, it saps the energy. We understood you can't just dismiss the positive fantasies because they come from our needs. So we need to take them seriously, but how can we get people to be energized in order to actually pursue their wishes? Then we did a lot of experiments on mental contrasting. We looked at how can that be that this little exercise of WOO makes people change so dramatically that some people really go for it and other people just sort of, uh, okay, actively disengage. And we identified the mechanisms, the cognitive mechanisms, the motivational mechanisms, the feedback mechanisms, what we were talking about. And thereafter we said, okay, now we know mental contrasting leads to behavior change. So we identified the mechanisms. Now we want to do intervention studies. And then we did intervention studies in the schools, in hospitals, in, um, you know, with interpersonal relationships, romantic relationships, or relationships um, when people negotiate, or um, relationships when, um, you know, family relationships. And then we found, yeah, actually when people use mental contrasting in their context, they change behavior. So they eat better, they do more exercise, um, they do, they have better physical capacity, in um, when, when they're patients with chronic back pain, they lose more weight when they had a stroke. Um, they, you know, do better studying despite the fact that they have a predisposition for ADHD. Um, they do, um, they go more to school and they do better. Um, they have better grades. They do better homework. Um, they um, control their emotions better. They have uh, less anxiety and less anger and um, fewer feelings of remorse. And so all these things. And, and these were intervention studies. And only then we created the, the website, the bookmylife.org website, because only then we felt confident that, um, that we can let it out. And, and, that people can apply it in their everyday life. And that's where we are right now. So um, there's this website and uh, we hope that we can convey with this website, which doesn't cost anything. Um, and with the Whoop app, uh, which doesn't cost anything either because we want to really give it out to people as much as we can because we, we hope that they benefit from, from that little exercise, the Whoop exercise. And, and you can take it into your life and you can um, apply it 
um, just by yourself. And you can take it as a friend in hard times, but also in good times when you want to make it a little better. And, um, and, and try it out, practice it, play with it. Don't evaluate yourself whether you did it right or wrong. It doesn't matter. When, when the wish is not fulfilled right away, it doesn't matter. Try it again. You can do as many whoops as you have wishes. And um, it's not for being super successful and for not having problems in life anymore. It's for getting engaged, for discovering what you really want, for discovering what your obstacles are, for discovering your life anew, because you will change. And if you change, your relationships will change, your achievements, um, your work will change, your relationship to nature will change, everything will change. And that's fun. So it's a discovery tour on three terms. You will discover what you want, you will discover what's in your way, and you will discover a new life because you will, you will change your life. Excited to dive into all that. And so I'd love to hear, do you have a story about a time where you were thinking positively in, in a way that wasn't productive for you? That's a good point. Um, I can tell you sometimes where I thought positively, but I didn't get into action. So when you think positively and you don't have any control about the situation, for example, right now with the pandemic or with much of the political situation, there is little control to take the virus out of this world. And there is little control to actually make the larger political spectrum look much better. So their sheer positive thinking, sheer hoping in terms of positive fantasies about the future, that one day things will turn better, keeps me in the field, meaning I hang in there I hang in there hoping and just sort of fantasizing about a better future, which then spurs more positive thoughts in terms of what I can do in order to make my immediate context better. So these positive fantasies and daydreams, just the positive fantasies and daydreams, which we find actually sort of to reduce effort and action when I have a lot of possibilities of action. They're good for those situations where I'm completely out of control because at least they give me some good spirits to hang in and to not lose hope in the sense that I disengage and get out of the field. So usually when I do these podcasts, I start with positive thinking that this might have negative consequences when it comes to implementing my wishes. 
if I can implement these wishes, these positive fantasies do have negative consequences in the sense that I think I'm already there and I do not actually need to act anymore because in my mind I already experienced the positive future. But for situations where I have, where I have no freedom of action, I can't really engage to make it better, nor can I disengage because the situation is what it is. And if I disengage, then I lose hope and I will be desperate. So in these situations, the sheer positive daydreaming about the future keeps me in the field, keeps me hoping, keeps me alive to stay in and to stay at least on a moderate level active. But in situations which I can make a difference through my action, there the sheer positive thoughts and images are just simply not enough. So to answer your question, yeah, I have positive thoughts and images that at some point the world will be better again. Changed, but better again. And that keeps me going in terms of trying to make a difference by what we call mental contrasting the positive thoughts and images with the obstacle of reality so that I then can get going and change my immediate context and fulfill my wishes that I have possibilities of actually fulfilling. So now I jumped ahead, but you asked me that question and the question is very simple to answer. Yes, these positive thoughts and images help me to keep hoping to keep me in the field the things will get better again. And that spurs a lot of action right now in terms of what I can do in my context so that I can protect my immediate people, that I can do good work, that I try to protect myself, and so on. So it seems like we're kind of thinking about positive thinking in two different, two different modes. There's thinking about it in modes, uh, in situations that you don't have a lot of control. Okay. Unless we are doing cutting edge research on a vaccine or, <laughs> you know, if, if there's nothing, then thinking positively of like, okay, well, at least I, you know, at least I can walk outside and there's fresh air and at least this, then that, that that's almost buoyant to your spirit. But I think where strictly positive thinking can be detrimental is when it comes to goal setting, when it comes to things that you want to achieve and things that you want to, to make progress on, then it can be really detrimental. And I know one of the things that you mentioned um, in your research, which was really interesting is that, and I kind of relate to this too, is that when you were looking at people who were, who were um, it might've been brain scans or something, and they were thinking positively about their future and their vision of, oh, I'm going to have written this book or I'm going to start this app that had all these users or I'm going to run this marathon. Their, their heart rate went down and they were, they were less kind of alert in a sense. And it's almost as if you've already accomplished it <laughs> and then you become lazy. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. what, what, was, what was some of the other science that kind of went behind what happens when people think about things strictly positively? 
Right. I mean, what we found in our um, first studies, we found that these positive fantasies and daydreams, strictly positive, um, that they actually are, are good to, for my mood. They're good for exploring the possibilities of the future. But when it comes to actually realizing these positive possibilities of the future, then they are detrimental. So for example, the more positively people enrolled in weight reduction program kind of fantasized about the slim body, the fewer pounds they shed three months later, one year later, two years later. Or the more positively when we stay in the health area, hip replacement surgery patients fantasized about an easy recovery, the less well could they move their joint, the fewer steps they could walk, and the less well was the general recovery as judged by the physical therapist. But go to the achievement domain. The more positively university graduates fantasize about an easy transition into work life, the less well do they do in terms of earning money two years later, getting job offers two years later, and um, also sending job applications out. So they, they don't put so much effort in that anymore. But you can also look the more positively students fantasize about getting a good grade, the less well they did, or students, the more positively they fantasize to getting together with a person they have a crush on, the less likely it is that they actually get into a romantic relationship with that. You hear, you hear that love birds out there? <laughs> Exactly. So, I, I think a lot of us have heard stories about Michael Phelps envisioning a race going well before, you know, the night before LeBron James doing like these visioning exercises. You know, a lot of elite athletes are doing these sorts of things. How is this different than what you're talking about? Right. Actually, it's interesting. We have a study now from uh, professional dancers. You know, Latin American dancers, that can be a, a sport. And um, these were world-class dancers. And when we look at what they spontaneously do, um, then we find that the ones who are more successful and more professional, that they actually do not the sheer positive thinking, you know, everything will solve itself well. They do what we talked about before, mental contrasting. So they think about the future, how, how nice it would be if they actually did well, but then they actually contemplate and, and imagine the obstacles in the way. So this obstacle in the way then tells me how to overcome that obstacle. And it also tells me, oops, I'm not there yet in the, in the wonderful future. I'm actually needing to overcome it. And when you look among the professional athletes, those who did more of this future and obstacle, rather than only the future, the positive future, the positive thinking, they did better in an upcoming competition. So when we, when we talk about these super athletes, um, when they think about going through their motions, um, if they go through the obstacles in the way, after they went through 
what they actually, where they really want to go, that's perfectly okay. But that's not really just idealistic, positive thinking in terms of, you know, things will work out just great. It, it will be fine. That's a diff very different story from, yes, things will work out. It would be so nice, but then what is in the way? What is my obstacle? What is it in me that might impede me from actually going that way? And that's what we say is mental contrasting and, and the, to consider both the positive future that gives action the direction. But then you consider the obstacle in the way that tells you you're not there yet. You need to still overcome that obstacle of reality. That gives you the energy. And you talked about the physiological measures that gives you this stolic blood pressure going up. And that gives you also that you can report about this energization which you feel in terms of reaching your wish. So while this positive thinking about the future gives you the direction, the obstacle of reality gives you the energy because you realize you're not there yet. So you jump over it. And then also by imagining the obstacle, you will understand what you can do best in order to overcome that obstacle. So you have two things. One, you have the energy, and second, you also understand now what you can do in order to in order to overcome that obstacle. You have a simple acronym to help people remember kind of how to plan through these steps. Right. So um, in the in the scientific literature, um, the term is mental contrast, and we added a plan. Um, which is a concept developed by Peter Wilbur's here, which is called implementation intentions. Now, we put that together and we had a term which was called mental contrasting with implementation intentions. So that's a little hard to remember. And um, so we created an acronym um, and the acronym is really describing the four steps of both mental contrasting and implementation intentions. And the acronym is WU for wish. You identify a wish that is actually feasible for you, but it's still challenging. Then you identify the best outcome. First O. The best, best. outcome. The best. The nicest. How would you feel? Or creme de la creme. So, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, of fulfilling that wish. And then you imagine that best outcome. So it's the first O. And then you switch gears from just, you know, indulging and enjoying the future to identifying the obstacle in you. So it's controllable in you, not outside there. No excuses allowed. Um, it's not the bad boss. It's you relating to the boss outside. Because these obstacles in you, they are more controllable than the external obstacles. So once you identify that obstacle in you, and that is the second hole, you imagine that obstacle occurring. And identifying that obstacle, you, you can actually go a little deeper. You could say, what is it really that stands in my way? It can be an emotion, it can be an irrational belief, or it can be actually a bad habit. But dig it a little deeper, see what it really is. And then identify that second O, which is the obstacle, and imagine it. And then 
the fourth letter is the P, and that's the plan, if then plan or implementation intention. And in the context of mental contrasting, the plan comes in the form of if, and then you imagine the obstacle, then I will, and now you imagine the behavior to overcome obstacle. So if obstacle, then I will behavior to overcome obstacle. So that's whoop. And whoop for wish, outcome, imagine, obstacle, imagine, and then the if obstacle, then I will overcome obstacle plan. So you're you're at this little exercise. And that exercise doesn't really last longer than about five to ten minutes. But you really need to focus on it. So no email, no conversation, no nothing involved. Um, you really need to focus and you need to experience, um, especially the outcome and the obstacle. You need to feel it out. And I, I want to get us to dive deep into each of these. Um, for people who are interested, they're like, that sounds awesome. That sounds like a lot. You can go to whoopmylife.com, right? That's not work. <laughs> what? Whoopmylife.org. Whoopmylife.org. That sounds like a fun org, site. Even org. if um, like O-R-G, like organization. Oh, dot org. Whoopmylife.org. That That's sounds, that, that, even if I didn't know the context, that would sound like a fun site. Um, before we dive into kind of each of those letters and, uh, you know, I have some follow-up questions. I know that you've kind of made this framework available to a lot of schools and I'm guessing you've done a lot of research on people using this and some of the effects that it's had on them in different contexts. Could you maybe share a little bit of that? Sure. Um, so we did, maybe I, I back up a little bit because okay. um, to give you a little bit of context of how the whole thing developed, this kind of acronym of work. So we, we first found these surprising effects that the positive fantasies about the future, the positive daydreams about the future, really have problematic effects on effort and success. And um, we found that in correlational studies, but we also found it in experimental studies because we asked ourselves, like you did before, why is that, that these positive fantasies and daydreams predict low effort and low success? And what we found is that when you induce these positive fantasies and daydreams versus negative fantasies about the future or questioning fantasies or factual thoughts or no thoughts or irrelevant thoughts, um, depending on the study, what you find then is that actually the energy goes down because people feel already accomplished. They're already there. They don't need to go there anymore because in their mind, these fantasies are so vivid that they're actually relaxed. And, and you, you, the systolic blood pressure goes down or the, the self-reported energization goes down. And these going down of the energization then predicts low effort and low success over time. So it seems that these positive fantasies and daydreams sap the energy and exactly that energy that is needed in order to reach a challenging goal. So you can now say, okay, let's, 
let's think pessimistically in the sense that um, just forget about all these positive dreaming and thinking and all that. Let's forget it. But we can't do that. And why can we not do that? Wouldn't that be practical? Um, no, we cannot do that because we need to take our wishes and daydreams very seriously. Why do we need to take them seriously? Well, we've showed that they stem from our needs and they stem from our states of deprivation. So, for example, we invited people into the lab and we asked them not to drink water about four hours beforehand and then we gave them a lot of salty pretzels so <laughs> they were really thirsty and half of them then got a really good bottle of water and half of them stayed thirsty and then we gave them little vignettes and in these vignettes they potentially could actually fantasize about sorry you gave them what little kind of hypothetical stories vignettes which they could actually end by their own fantasy and what we find is the thirsty group actually fantasized about getting to the water fountain and drinking water and positively fantasized and they only fantasized about drinking water in the scenarios which permitted to fantasize drink drinking water in the other scenarios they didn't really differ from the control group. So when there was an opportunity to positively fantasize about satisfying their immediate needs, they generated these wishes and positive fantasies. And what, what you can do is you can do the same thing with psychological needs. So when you deprive people from meaning, then suddenly, they think about positively getting a new job. When you deprive them of personal relationship, they start positively fantasizing about meeting their friends and family. And it sounds like almost automatically. It's, it's, it's kind of... Without that, that was all implicit in the sense that they spontaneously fantasized about that. They didn't know what we were doing. We didn't ask them about anything. They just fantasized in response to these short vignettes which um, we gave them where they could actually spontaneously generate their thoughts and images and when they had a state of deprivation they spontaneously daydreamed positively about conditions under which they could actually satisfy their needs. so we need to take these wishes super seriously because they are an expression a reflection an indication, if you want, for our states of deprivation. And therefore, they give action the direction. So when we talk about the wish as a first part of hope, think about it. What is your wish? What do you really want? And then you can get in touch with your states of deprivation, with what you don't have, but what you're longing for. The trouble is only, that normally in our lives, people never ask us, what do you really want? What is it that you, you really want? Let's not talk about other people, sort of what they want that you do or so. What do you really want? And that can be 
you know, something in a relationship or you can want some altruistic thing or you can, you might want to help people. So it can be interpersonal, but you need to want it. And so nobody can tell you what your wish is because it needs to come from you because only you can feel out your need or your state of deprivation. It's really interesting. I think a lot of the challenge that I think a lot of young people have is not necessarily, you know, going through the woo process, but it's first figuring out what should the wish be. Exactly. <laughs> I think we have, uh, there's such an abundance of opportunities and, and you can go on social media or you can just talk to friends and, you know, I can speak personally. I have a friend who's a musician. Whenever I talk with him, I feel inspired to play piano and work on this creative project. And then I have a friend who's a writer and then I kind of want to write. And so like, you know, I think something that I'm curious to hear your perspective on is when it comes to these wishes, it sounds like what you are deprived of is part of the equation. And through you've noticed through your experiments. Exactly. So that's part so, of the equation. But we also ask people, come up with something that is feasible for you, that you can actually do. So for example, um, take the next four weeks. So in these four weeks, what would you really like to fulfill yourself? That is feasible for you, but that is also a little bit challenging. Mm -hmm. So it's not that we ask people um, to come up with any kind of wish. You know, I want to win the lottery or I want to be a rich man or I want to um, have a million friends or something. So that's not meant. Um, what is meant is um, in the next year or maybe for your life or for the next four weeks or maybe for the next day or maybe for an interview, what is that you really want? What, what is your deepest wish here? A wish that you potentially can fulfill yourself, but that is challenging. Do we find that certain types of wishes have a better rate of fulfillment or like, you know, is there anything about motivation and the goals that you pick and likelihood of achieving them? Or is it, is it a little bit more agnostic to, to what you want? Well, it depends. I mean, you can, you can use whoop in order to fulfill your wishes that you deem feasible for you, but you can also use whoop in order to determine whether a wish you have is feasible or not. So let's say I want to have um, clarity about uh, whether I should fly and um, visit my grandmother or something or visit my, my family or something. So yeah, I really would like to do that. Um, it would be wonderful and, you know, get together. But what is it in my way? And then the question is, yeah, I'm, I might be scared to fly. And then you can really find out, is that anxiety something that is just my anxiety or is it actually well-founded? And, and that's where you can use whoop in order to understand whether you should actually overcome that obstacle and really engage for fulfilling that wish or whether you should say, maybe it's not a good idea. Maybe I fly to a different point in time, or maybe I should not actually follow up on that wish and just replace it with a much more 
feasible wish, which um, would not put anybody in at risk, something like that. So you can really do both. Once you specify a wish that you feel well feasible for you, but is really challenging, then go with that wish, a feasible wish. But if you want to find out whether a wish is feasible for you, use WOOP without specifying that the wish needs to be feasible. And then by understanding what the obstacle in your way is, you will determine whether it's feasible for you or not. It's, it's almost, you can kind of take a wish, put it through the WOOP meat grinder and see if you like the taste of what comes out afterwards. Kind of reminds me of a friend. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of a friend who was talking about, he's like, I really want to write a book. I really want to write a book. And then when the rubber meets the road, he didn't really want to actually want to sit down and write. <laughs> and had he gone through this, this, um, this journey, it might've been revealing to him because you know he's thinking about what's the obstacle well the obstacle is really sitting down and writing and like he's trying to think through what what's my if thens and then you know and it's interesting that you say that because um last week i got a comment of um of, of a person who was just sort of using whoop um for the first time and then um i think she started I, I don't know when, but um, a couple of weeks ago, and then she wrote me a comment and said, you know, Whoop really helped me to understand um, that writing the book were just sort of to flatter my ego. Mm. Um, but what I really wanted is um, to get together with my family and, um, you, you know, be there for my family and have some kind of intense relationship with my kids. And, um, so you, you get a lot of um, pretty deep insights, but you might get the opposite insight that you say, you know, I really want to write that book because I really want to sort of have people hear the message or whatever, or because I, I really want to, um, you know, be creative or whatever. So it's different for every person. And some people might come with a wish, you know, to clean up their apartment because it's a mess. And some other people might come with a wish of um, finally not being plagued by the um, obligation to clean the apartment and then, you know, have a good time and sit down. So whatever the situation is a person finds himself or herself in is different. And therefore it is important that people generate the wish outcome obstacle and plan just by themselves. And therefore, often kind of helping professions have a hard time to convey whoop to others because they already have the advice, but they can't give the advice because the, the advice needs to come from the person herself because she's the expert of her life. So I imagine there might have been some listeners who came into this episode and were think, thinking, this is a goal I want. This is something I want to achieve. And now you know, they're listening to us and there's kind of the warning sign is flashing in the back of, okay, wait, what's my actual motivation for the goal? I'd love to maybe explore some of these sort of, <laughs> to put it bluntly, states of deep deprivation that people might be feeling that might be, that you've seen in your work that might be motivating some of these, um, these wishes. And so maybe, maybe I'll, I'll list a couple sort of common things that I think people want to uh, do and then, 
you know, I'm, I'm guessing, well, I first, I first want to say, I'm guessing that a lot of this is, it's not totally indicative. It's just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind, right? Because if you want to be the CEO of something, is it really that it's because you feel deprived in your life? Is, isn't that just one theory? Couldn't it be just, you just really value having an impact and you see an avenue and you're very excited? Maybe I, I didn't quite get the question, but, um, Certainly, wishes can also. I can reframe it. Come from from other roots than just states of depredation, but if you really and depredation is a hard word, no. Um, but but where you where you feel you want to satisfy something, or where you feel you actually want to um, to to go in a, in, in, towards a future that you feel really passionate about. So you, when, you, when you search for the wish, you don't search for depredation. You search for the future where you feel, here I want to be. And um, so we only know from our experiments that we should take these wishes seriously. We can't dismiss them because we know they come from states of deprivation. But you don't look when you do the exercise for deprivation. In the contrary, you look for the passion. You look where, oh yeah, that's what I want. What, what are some of the, the kind of things that people have told you they, they've noticed related to deprivation and maybe wishes that weren't actually theirs but were coming from maybe a, a different place? Well, you know, sometimes people jump very, quickly to wish, yeah, I, I want to go to college or I want to, um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I want to have- Become a CEO or write a book. Yeah, something or very quick. Successful app. Right. And then when, when, when they really think about it, they say, um, oh, what do I really want? Actually, what do I really want? And um, so for example, uh, you know, somebody might say, yeah, clearly I want to become a doctor. Okay, yeah, I want to become a doctor. That, that's clear, I always wanted to become a doctor. So I want to go to medical school. And then um, they, would, they would say, what would be the best thing if you, if you become a doctor? And then they might say, oh, okay, I could be um, in, in, in the hospital and um, you know, I could be a doctor. Yeah, just sort of with all the symbols of a doctor. But then you think about what would be the best outcome. Yeah, I would have, you know, would feel proud or something. And then you think about it. How would you fare in a hospital? So, and then you suddenly think about, uh, actually, it's not super pretty in a hospital. And I'm not sure, I mean, I see a lot of misery and, um, and it might not always be super easy to actually do all these things. And so, and then suddenly you feel it out and you say, maybe that's not what I really thought. It's really sort of becoming a doctor. And then you might realize maybe that's not for me. And then you can always go back and say, what do I really want? Oh, maybe it is helping people. That's what I want. 
And then you can look for an alternative where you can combine maybe your feeling for aesthetics together with helping people. And then you, you go a different route. But the idea really is you feel it out, what you really want. And by feeling it out and by specifying what your wish is and what the best outcome is, and by feeling that you, this is actually something you feel passionate for, then you can go that way because then you have given act, a direction to the action. And by feeling it out, you, you mean taking this wish that tends to be at a high level of I want to do this and achieve this and then starting to break down what is this, what does my day-to-day -day look like? How do I feel in my body? What are the emotions? What are, what's my experience? I mean, like? go, just, just go, the instructions of the whoop is super simple. Just say, okay, what would be the best, I mean, after you identify the wish, what would be the best thing if you realize that wish? How would you feel? And then find an emotion that actually would come up in you if you fulfill yourself that wish. And that will then um, actually help you to, to go in that direction. And, and if you really found a wish that is important to you and that um, you feel that the passion you can imagine and it really sort of makes you kind of excited to imagine it, um, and then you found the obstacle in the way that is actually critical and you don't need to tell anybody what up. Sometimes it's not so flattering. So you can, um, you don't need to tell anybody. You can just think it for yourself. Um, then these non-conscious processes that help you to change your behavior get triggered. And that's the beauty in, in WHOOP it's a conscious exercise of four steps with non-conscious consequences. And they are cognitive and motivational and related to feedback. And these non-conscious consequences then actually make you change your behavior in an automatic fashion. And, and that's neat because that helps you to directly change your behavior without that you need to change your attitudes or your beliefs. So you, you, you do the conscious exercise, these four steps, and then your cognition changes in the sense that the future is linked to the obstacle and the obstacle is linked to the behavior to overcome obstacle. And you don't, this is outside of people's awareness. And then you recognize the obstacles more readily, everything outside of people's awareness. And these processes then, mediate or predict the actual behavior change. So what people do, whether they go for fitness or whether they don't, or whether they study for their math exam or they don't. And, and that's the neat thing because these processes outside of your awareness help you to change your behavior. So it's less, if you want, it's less effortful and you don't need to think so much about it. And what it does too is is it gives you the energy, meaning your systolic blood, systolic blood pressure goes up again. And that predicts, again, the behavior. And when you get a setback, then you are more ready to process the information in the setback. And you don't- You've already thought through a plan. 
you already yeah, can actually top of mind. you take the information that people when you, people give you negative feedback for example or when you have a setback you take that information and build it into your plan which then increases the likelihood that you reach your goal and also you don't take it personally so your subjective sense of competence is not affected so Can you, you go a little bit more in depth on what on the feedback aspect of it how, how, yeah. how is that? so we did experiments where we gave people the mental contrasting exercise personal control exercise, just positive thinking or just um, dwelling on the obstacle. And then we gave them really massive negative feedback. Said, Do you know uh, what the circumstance was for this? Um, that, that was um, in, the, in the social, in the interpersonal domain, um, we gave them a, a test where we um, then said, well, your scores are not very good as compared to others. Um, or we gave them negative, in other experiments, we gave them negative feedback in the sense that we, we gave them specific negative feedback on their answers and what they did wrong. And when we gave them the specific feedback, what they did wrong, they processed that information. They could remember it better in this mental contrasting condition than in the just positive thinking or just thinking about the obstacle condition. They, so they processed that information, they took it in and they build it into making plans to fulfill their wish. And at the same time, in other experiments we showed that when you give them a really negative feedback, sort of normative feedback in the sense you didn't do as well as others, they are not hurt in terms of their sense of self-competence, meaning they don't think they're worthless or they are actually less competent, despite the fact that they got negative feedback. And it's interesting um, because what that means is they process the negative feedback, they build it in, so they take advantage of what of the, what the setbacks or the negative feedback means for their wish fulfillment, build it into the wish fulfillment, and they don't have time to think about themselves. So they, they are not actually hurt by the feedback. It's almost like you've built a buffer by thinking, by expecting it to come and having a plan. And it, I can imagine it's, it's very confidence boosting. Um, they're not expecting that it will come. They didn't expect that we'd give them negative feedback. But once it comes, they process it. They understand what's in there. They listen to it and process it. And they're not defensive. Interesting. Now, I imagine, so we, we kind of went through wishes and some of the nuance in there. When it comes to the second step, outcome, talked about, keeping it simple with the emotions, kind of visualizing what it's like. Any other nuance in, in kind of um, imagining the outcome for your wish that's worth noting? I mean, you can, you can ask yourself, what would be the best result if I fulfilled myself that wish? Um, but you could also ask yourself, how would I feel? And then you specify that. So you specify the wish as well. So you say, um, so let's say for the next four weeks, 
um, what is my dearest wish that is feasible for me, but at the same time also challenging. And then you specify this wish in few words. And then as a next step, you specify the outcome. How would I feel if I fulfilled myself that wish? Again, in few words, or you write it down, and then you imagine that outcome. So you need to be really, in order to do a whoop, you need to be really calm. So, you know, make yourself slow and calm and comfortable and don't let yourself interrupt it. So you don't need more than five or 10 minutes, but, but these you really need. So you should take these five or 10 minutes. You can do it in the subway, but you know, nobody should interrupt you. It's fine to have white noise, but it's, it's, it's not fine to talk to someone or to do email or something. So you can't do it um, with double tasking. But what you, um, what you should do is really go through the steps one by one. And what you always should do is um, specify the wish in few words and specify the outcome in few words, and then imagine. So there are two different moves in Whoop. One is you search for the wish, and then you search for the outcome, and then you imagine. And then again, you search for the obstacle, and it should be an obstacle in you that is in your way of fulfilling your wish and experiencing that outcome. So you ask yourself, what is it in me that stands in the way of tackling my wish and experiencing that outcome? What is it really? And you can dig a little deeper and ask yourself. So the first thing might come is like, I don't have time. Come on, why don't you have time? You can ask yourself, what is it really that stands in the way? And then you can actually um, check out. Then you might come up and say, well, you know, my family doesn't leave me time. Ah, oh, come on, but what is it really? And you can ask yourself, what is it really until you understand what is the obstacle in your way? And you feel it, you feel it when there is the bingo obstacle. And when you don't find the bingo obstacle immediately, that's fine try it out and try another whoop um, afterwards. But, but you, can, you can look for it. Um, and, and even if you don't find it immediately, you can, you can actually feel it out then um, maybe next time. But, but, but don't give up looking for what is really in your way. And it might be something that not only impedes this wish, but it might impede other wishes as well. And very often it's an emotion, you know, some kind of maybe anxiety or anger or resentment or feeling of hurt or feeling victimized or something like that. Or it might be a bad habit or it might be an irrational belief or, you know, something somebody told you, you know, something like, oh, you can't do that or something. So I have a two-part question. Are there common categories you've seen for the obstacles that tend to come up over and over again as, as you've seen people do whoop and then um 
related, are there any resources you tend to send them to other than it sounds like maybe a therapist <laughs> for her, for a lot of I mean, certainly if people um, yeah, have symptoms, clinical symptoms, then you want to send them to a therapist. Um, but the, the only thing I can say is be patient with yourself and you will, you will discover um, the obstacle. Very often, you know, as I said, um, these are emotions, and um, sometimes they're bad habits, um, or some, um, you know, some convictions you might have for a long time, which just kind of stayed with you, and you never really thought about them twice. You know, you never really turned them around and thought, well, is that really true? Um, and and you know, you have also, you know, people come up with all sorts of interesting excuses so um you know the obstacle could be that you always find an excuse um and then then you can actually oh okay um interesting if i find an excuse again then i just get going or something and then the plan the plan seems pretty simple it's just it's it's almost like in computer science and if then statement if this happens yeah but this. computer science has also different plans very different if then and and we have um the the plan is is not so trivial because it needs to be an if obstacle and you want to have the obstacle identified and then imagine you know so um the obstacle you identify them in, in few words you always go in few words for the for the all four steps the wish in few words, the outcome in few words, because you need to specify this one wish, one out outcome, one obstacle. And then you specify the obstacle and you imagine it. And the plan, very often when you imagine the, the obstacle, then the plan comes by itself. So um, you, you, you discover the plan in your imagery. But if you don't, then you can really search for the, for the, for the behavior that you want to put in the plan. And the plan would then be, if obstacle, then I will action or thought to overcome obstacle. Um, and that is simple, yes. Um, but sometimes it's also not so simple. For example, you can have a prevention plan. So if a good opportunity, then I will prevent the obstacle from occurring. So you could sort of say, let's say, a simple example. You could say, well, if I see chocolate in my fridge, then I will close the fridge door and take an apple. But you could also say, if I go shopping next time, I will make a big detour around the sweet stand. So that way the chocolate doesn't even go into your fridge and then you're not tempted. So you can go both ways really. And some obstacles lend themselves very much to the overcome obstacle plan. And some obstacles also lend themselves more to the prevention. And some obstacles you might do both. So would you recommend people do WHOOP for any significant goal they're setting? Or is there any... any you can also do WHOOP for trivial goals. Trivial goals too. You could, for example, say, ah, what is my wish for tonight? <laughs> Actually, what is my wish for tonight? Maybe my wish is, you know, to finish something. Or maybe my wish is to have a nice dinner. Or maybe my wish is to call my mother or whatever. You know, so, so 
you can use it in order to really make your everyday life so much better. And the more you use it, the more expert you get, and the easier it will get to actually identify the, the most important wish. And the more you can use it also under stressful times. So um, boop is like a skill. So it's like riding the bicycle. The, the more you practice it, the better you go. And once you know how to do it, you can go anywhere to work, to, to leisure, to your family, whatever. So, so in that way, whoop is a friend for life. It's not replacing therapy or anything. I mean, it's not a clinical tool. It's no question. But it is a tool for everyday life. It's a friend for everyday life, which, which you can consult. So you can consult this friend when you want to actually implement important wishes or when you want to get clarity and insight about which wishes you actually should pursue and which wishes you want to actually let go without having a bad conscience because if your obstacle is so formidable or you you say okay there's clearly something else which is more important then you will recognize that and then you could say, okay, either I adjust my wish to make it a little bit less aspirational, or I postpone it to a better point in time, or I let go. But then you can let go with good conscience. And you don't need to always think about, oh, I should do this, and I should do that, and I should do the other thing. Because now you understood this is something you just cannot do at the moment because you have something more important to do or because it's simply not feasible. And then you can put your energy in something which is more promising and more feasible. Excited to dive into all that. And so for people who want to find more, you can go to whoopmylife.org. I'm getting that right this time, right? Um, and also check out Gabrielle's book, Rethinking Positive Thinking Inside the New Science of Motivation. This has been incredibly inspiring and probably one of the most practical and simple frameworks we've had from a researcher on the show. Any parting words to our audience? Okay, you can. Yeah, maybe one thing. Um, when you play with Whoop um, and you have some comments or some questions, go on the Whoop My Life website. You can always contact us. You can send us your Whoop experiences. They can be sometimes a little um, emotional. Don't worry. When they're emotional, you know you're at the right track. Um, but but share with us your experiences. We are always curious, you know, to get some feedback on the website, but also to to just learn what you experience with Wolf. And um, don't hesitate to contact us. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. This was an awesome Thank episode. And as always, be positive, but be positive in the most productive and scientifically backed way. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye bye.